0: I want to share something with you this evening. I want to help you to become the person that the Lord wants you to be. You know, that's what God's called pastors to do. And I want you to look at me and because I want to tell you, I want to look in your eyes and tell you that you can become the person the Lord has called you to be. Do you believe that tonight? I believe that. You can become the person the Lord has called you to be. And so I want the Lord to use me humbly tonight to help you to reach uh, that place so pray with me again father i ask tonight in jesus name your your son jesus that lord that you'd clear away the clutter from our minds that lord tonight that your word would be like just a a sharp arrow that hits its mark that you lord would humble our spirits to receive with meekness the engrafted word of truth And that you would do something great in each of our lives this evening. And so for this we ask in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I thought that I almost would wish our our boys and girls would have stayed with us. Because the principle that I want to share tonight, I truly believe is a life-changing principle. Something that can, I think, could reach into every aspect of our lives as Christians as as we walk through this world tonight. As uh, we went out through today and even this week, we probably made hundreds of choices in our lives. So many choices that you and I have made today. There's small choices, there's large choices, but we're constantly making decisions over one thing or another in our lives. What I want to ask you as I begin this teaching tonight is this, what do you base your decisions on? In other words, what's, what's the framework that you, that you govern your life with? because whether we know it or not consciously or subconsciously there is a framework and a basis by which we make every single decision in our lives what am i saying i'm saying that there's always a criterion by which we judge things of this i'm going to do or i'm not going to do this and what we call that what we call that is our value system you have a value system you may not be able to articulate it You may not be able to systematize it and write it out, but every one of us have uh, an internal value system that we make choices with. And we could say it this way, that Christianity in the Word of God, the truths of the Word of God, we could call it, I would call it, a very special value system. We could call it a heavenly value system. I mean, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. And the Bible even says in 1 Corinthians 2, it says the the natural man, that's the lost man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? They're spiritually discerned. So I want to point you to something this evening that can change your life. Can reach into every part of your life. These little boys and girls out here, I wish they could have heard this because if they can get this right now, it'll change everything about where the, the, track of, the track of their life. But this heavenly value system. So the Christian decides his conduct by a unique set of standards. And this is what in some ways, in, in really a great way, sets us apart from the world around us. We have a different value system. Now we used to be in another kingdom the kingdom of Satan. The Bible says we've been brought out and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. So now we have a whole new system that we're part of. And so what is our standard tonight? It's simply this. Our standard is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the standard by which we judge and we base every decision that we make. What am I saying? I'm saying this, that everything the Christian does or should do should be as unto the Lord. Think about that. Everything I do should be as unto the Lord. So Christ is the standard. He's the criterion by which we should make every decision for our lives. So here's my title of my teaching tonight, and that's this. I want to talk about our guiding principle. What will be our guiding principle in this church? What will be your guiding principle in your marriage, in your work, the way you spend your money? Your health, your relationships, what you do, what you don't do. What is going to be the guiding principle of your life? Now, I believe Christianity is, it lifts persons, it lifts people up in every single way. How many of the devil is just pushing folks down? But Jesus is the, what does it say? The Lord is the glory, and what is he? He's the lifter of my head. That's what the psalmist says. But Christianity lifts people up in every way. But I've noticed this in my life. I've noticed this throughout my life. That anywhere, anywhere that there is rampant sin and disobedience, whether it be in a culture, whether it be in an individual life, whether it be in a family, whether it be in a marriage, whether it be in some system, wherever there's disobedience and rampant sin, Everything always goes down. Have you noticed that? The quality goes down. When we serve Jesus, the quality goes up. When we serve Jesus, the quality of our health goes up. The quality of our mental health goes up. The quality of our lives go up. Everything goes up. Where sin and disobedience is, the quality always goes down. Always. Society goes down. Politics goes down. Family goes down. Marriages go down, attitudes go down, dress goes down, uh, productivity goes down, relationships go down, uh, uh, prosperity goes down. Everything goes down when we disobey and we sin against God. But Christianity and Christ and the kingdom of God, how many people are in the kingdom of God this evening? Are you in the kingdom of God? you watching on the internet? Are you in the kingdom of God? Well, you're called to live an up life. You're called to be better than you were yesterday, better than you were in your old life. Christianity calls us up. What does Christianity do? Christ ennobles our lives. Christ lifts our lives to a better place. When we serve Christ, our feelings about ourselves should improve. Our mental health should improve. Our outlook on life should be expanded and positive and hopeful. How we treat other people should be better and more enriching. How we feel about society around us should be lifted up. Why? Why is this? Even what we think, even what we allow to come in our mind, should listen, should be of the highest quality because we're Christians. We're the children of God. Paul said it this way. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think about these things. Meditate on these things. Why? Because I'm called to live a a high life. Not the high life, not Miller high life, but Christian high life. Come on. Colossians says this, if you then, you, if you're a Christian, if you, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, if you're a Christian, if you be risen with Christ, You're going to seek those things which are above. Everyone say above. Above, Above, up, where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. If you're a child of God, you can be better. You have the power to be better. You have the power to be everything Christ has called you to be. Why? Jesus lives in you. Christ lives in you. The spirit of Christianity motivates us to strive for more. And, and to improve our lives continually. Do you know that? Jesus called to us. Paul said this in, in Philippians 3. Not that I've already attained or i already perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Lotus brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You know the Bible takes a very dim view of laziness and neglect. Some of the strongest denunciations in the Bible are against lazy and undisciplined people. Proverbs 15, 19 says this, The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. Do you see that verse? The way of the lazy man is a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. A highway. Why is it a highway? It's a highway because the righteous person has taken the effort and put the effort in to remove the thorns, to remove the barriers that are standing in his way, and now he's on a highway. He's headed in the right direction. He's headed in a way toward God, an upward way in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? You ever notice this? Now listen, Christianity always lifts folks up, lifts folks out. Now, you ever notice, as you look in the Bible, and I'll just reference this, Mark 5, the demonic that met Jesus on the the seashore, he was living in a graveyard. He was tormented. He was bound. He was out of control. He was a danger to society. But then he met Jesus. And Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is the life changer. And then after, the end of the story is this, the man wasn't the same again. He was lifted up and he was lifted out. And here's what it says. He was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. Why? Jesus lifts people up. Sitting has to do with peace. His heart's at peace. His life's at peace. His emotions are at peace. He's clothed. That has to do with dignity and order in his life. He was in his right mind before he was confused. Now there's clarity and now there's focus in their life. Jesus can bring order, can bring clarity, can bring dignity, and can bring purpose into our lives if we'll follow his guiding principle. I had not even given you the guiding principle yet. You thought I had, but I hadn't. Christians are called to do our best. And we're called to be our best. Do you hear what I said? We're called to do our best, and we're called to be our best. What this congregation will be will be what our attitude is. Do we want it to do, do we do want to do our best, do we want to be our best, do we want to be excellent in everything that we do? Now here's the question. What then is the guiding principle as we trek through this world toward heaven? There's one principle tonight that I want to share with you that can lift. I've given you some lifting scriptures tonight that can lift every part of our lives. It can truly lift our relationships. It can lift our employment. It can even lift our health if we'll allow it to. There's two verses that have the guiding principle. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Colossians 3.17 and 1 Corinthians 10.31. Here it is. And whatever you do, Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all, do all to The glory of God. If every child of God would apply this one principle to every aspect of life, that everything I do, I'm going to do to the glory of God. Everything I do, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It would lift every... It would lift... It would be like a tide. It would be like high tide, just lifting everything up. You see low tide that goes out, and then high tide comes in, and the boats all lift up again. You know, when you let the Holy Spirit bring this principle into your life, the Spirit of God lifts every part of your life. So consider this tonight. Several thoughts. It won't be too long here. First of all is this. Our call is a noble call. Our call is a noble call. We are called called to wear the name of Jesus proudly and honorably before a watching world. Did you hear that? We're Christians. We call ourselves, I'm a Christian. Now, a lot of people say, I'm a Christian, a lot of people say I'm a Christian, but but do they, are they really Christians? Because when we say we're Christians, we are to wear the brand Christian. We are to wear the name Christians honorably and nobly before a watching world. The Bible says, "Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works, that, that, that the Father may be glorified, that the Father in heaven may be glorified." So we need to wear the name of Jesus, wear the name of Christian honorably and nobly. Before a watching world. Now think about this. Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11 verses 21 through 26. What happened is God began to move greatly in the place called Antioch. Antioch, one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. And, and, and one, of the greatest, one of the greatest churches in the history of the world was in Antioch of Syria. North of Jerusalem. God was moving so greatly. After the, after the persecution, the Christians began to spread out, and what looked like a downturn became a revival, because what happened is, in persecution, the, 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 the flame of revival just spread all over the Roman Empire and finally conquered the Roman Empire. You can't, you can't conquer Christianity, but Christianity can conquer. The Word of God is not bound. And so, what the enemy tried to do through persecution actually spread, spread the word of God, and, and multitudes got saved. Well, some of those Christians went to a place called Antioch, and God began to move so greatly that people began to hear about it. Don't you want God to so move in our lives that people begin to hear of the grace of God? So, they sent Barnabas, the son of encouragement, Joseph, to go up there, and he went up there. And when he goes up there, he, he sees uh, it's one, one of my favorite phrases in the new testament is what he he says when he went to antioch it says he saw the grace of god i didn't know you could see the grace of god but you can he saw the grace of god what does that mean he saw love he saw salvation he saw people worshiping he saw people praying he saw people giving sacrificially he saw genuine work he saw god at work is what it's saying he saw the grace of god there and i want to read this to you because the first place people were called christians was right here they were nobly and honorably wearing the name of Jesus before a watching world. And look what it says. This is Acts eleven twenty one. And the hand of the Lord is with them, and great numbers believed. Notice this, and turned to the Lord. Turned to the Lord. And then news, the news of these saints came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with one purpose of heart, that they should continue in the Lord with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Notice that. And then Barnabas departed and went and seek for Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that for a whole year they assembled with the church and he taught great a great many people. That's what we need today. We need to be taught. We need to be taught how to live for the Lord. We don't. We don't. We we need more teaching, not less teaching. We need more of the Word of God, not less the Word of God. We need to be taught what it is to be a Christian. We need to be taught what Christianity looks like in shoe leather, in our homes, and raising our children, and spending our money. And they taught great multitudes. And people were hungry to learn, it seems, as I read this. And it says, notice this, And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, what am I telling you? I'm telling you, we need, to, we need to honorably and nobly wear the name Christians before a watching world. Now, understand what's happening here in Antioch. Understand the magnitude of their call. They just, these, these folks didn't just adopt another religion like you adopt Buddhism or Islam. They had come into relationship with a glorious person. And this glorious person was none other than the very creator of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, and He created all things. This one they came in relationship with was none other than the Redeemer of all mankind, Jesus Christ. He's the one that possesses the very name that is above every name. So this is is no light thing we're talking about being a Christian. This is serious, eternal business. And how we live here as Christians really matters. It really matters. And so the first Christians... These first believers were called Christians because, because why? They had fully embraced Jesus Christ. They're not like a lot of these modern American Christians that we've compartmentalized our lives and our Sunday and our Monday are so such a dichotomy and so far apart people don't even know they're Christians. But here, they were called Christians and and what we believe, what scholars believe is that was a mocking term. When they said they're Christians, they were mocking them. They're those Jesus people. Oh, that they would say to us of this church. They're Jesus people. They love Jesus. They follow Jesus with all their hearts. Jesus said this in the book of John. He said, unless you drink of my blood, unless you eat of my flesh, you have no part with me. And those religious people, when they heard that in John, they said, who can hear this? Who wants to hear this kind of sermon? That's what it means if you read the original. Well, who can hear this guy? Who can hear this? You're eating the flesh, drinking the blood. But what they didn't do, they didn't listen. They didn't do what a lot of people don't do today. They don't listen. They hear, but they don't listen. And what if you read down three verses? It t- he tells what it means to eat of his blood and drink of his flesh, to believe on him, and to embrace him, and to trust him wholly. How about let's take him all in, just like the lamb in the Old Testament? They had it had to be all consumed. Let's consume all of Jesus. This this nonsense teaching about how you can have Jesus as your savior and not as your Lord—that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Jesus is a whole person. And when you say yes to Jesus, and you say yes to Christianity, and you call upon his name for forgiveness, you don't just get somebody that washes your sins away and you can walk away. You become his property. And he becomes the Lord of your life. Think about this. The great Christian confession. Listen, the great Christian confession is not Jesus' Savior, though he is. The term Jesus' Savior is used in the New Testament about 16 times, one six. The term Jesus is Lord is used over 400 times in the New Testament. Over 400 times He is called Lord. He's not just our Savior, though He is, but He's the Lord. Come on. He's the Master. And when we say we're Christians, all all that we do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Do everything you do, the way you spend your money, the way you treat your wife, the way you raise your children, the way you dress, your attitude, do all to the glory of God. It will change your life. And people will notice the difference. We have a noble call. We have a noble call to wear Christian proudly and honorably and in the right way before a watching world. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Here's the second thing I want you to see. That our call is new. It's a call to something new. It's a call to something better. It's a call to something more glorious than we've ever had before. Galatians says this in 2.20. Paul said, he's, what a declaration here. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I died. The old me died. But Christ, li- let me read this again. This is incredible. Do you understand what's happening to us? When we say we're Christians and we have been converted and truly born again, Paul said, I have died with Christ. That's crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live, the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body, on this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about what it means to be in Christ. Think about what it means to do everything to the glory of God. When I was born again, I was united with Christ. We became free. Free from what? Free from law. Free from sin free from past, free from emptiness. I'm not trying to keep law to be saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm not not bound and dominated by sin anymore. Sin is broken. My past is completely gone. The emptiness is gone. Now Christ lives in me. It's new. We're new. We're, We're to live new. The Christian is a new person. Notice this. The life which I now live. If anyone's in Christ, he's new. He's a new creation. The life we now live is not clouded by hopelessness, fear, and fear, but it is centered in the will of God and in the kingdom of God and in the glory of God. I have a new dependence. Paul declared it here. Notice what he said The life which I now live, how does he live? I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen, we began the Christian life. How? By faith. We placed our complete dependence. On what Jesus did in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But how are we to live? By faith. Every day, faith. Every moment, faith. From beginning to end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. I have a new power source. Notice, Paul says it. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Think about it. The Holy Spirit lives in us. There is supernatural power indwelling our bodies, living in us. We're united with Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. And we have the power to live for the glory of God. We have the power to be and do what he's called us to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's resurrection power. Think about what Paul said in Ephesians 1.19. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me. Now quickly, thirdly, This call to do all to the glory of God and do all to the name of Jesus, think about this, encompasses all that we are. Even to the very transformation of our minds. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Listen to this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not earthly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Are you with me? Look at this. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And even every thought into the captivity to the obedience to Christ. So thorough is the transformation that God wants to do. He even wants to think kingdom thoughts. It encompasses everything we are. Even the transformation of our minds. So think about what Paul is saying here. Everything that exalts itself against Christ and his teaching in our lives must be cast down. Must be cast down. Think about it. Every principle which opposes Christ must be demolished within our lives. Christ must be all in all. Romans, you know this verse. Do not be conformed to this world. Hear this. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, your mind must be... That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need church. That's why we not need to miss anything, and we need to read the Word of God every single day. Have you been in the Word of God today? Have you read the Word of God today? It's a bad day. If you haven't read the Word of God today, you've had a bad day. But if you've got a chance to read these glorious pages, oh, what a great day that is. Come on, amen. What are some of the strongholds that we need to demolish in our lives? Paul said this, every, every argument, every, every high thing Every thought, every attitude, what, what is this? What's, what needs to be brought down in our lives to live to the glory of God? I think on the top of the list is pride. Pride is still the worst problem in the church. Inflated self-importance, love of self, self-centeredness is still a problem. The fear of man. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but yet people have a man-fearing spirit. Negativity and pessimism toward life, which is a manifestation of unbelief. Is that to be brought down? Self-righteous criticism of others, people criticize unjustly. Unbelief. Passivity is, a, is an attitude that's got to be broken. Neglect is, is, a, is an attitude. Self-pity needs to be brought down. Unfounded, false guilt needs to be brought down. Thinking worldly wisdom, humanistic thinking instead of biblical thinking. Carnal trust, rely, the church and us relying on things that are, not, that are not the weapons of God, but they're earthly carnal weapons that won't defeat any satanic strongholds. Think about this. All mental, unspiritual walls need to be torn down. Every thought pattern that keeps us from the abundant life in Jesus Christ has to be demolished, and we have to renew our minds to think like the Spirit of God wants us to think. He's given us His Word. Amen? Joshua was willing to follow God's supernatural plan instead of trying to figure it out in his carnal mind in the Jericho situation. Wasn't that a strange plan? Totally spiritual. Supernatural. This is how I'm going to do it, Joshua. Joshua. You're going to march around, you're going to do this, you're going to be quiet for a while, then you're going to shout for a while, and then I'm going to do this. It sounds very ridiculous, but God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are spiritual ways. God's ways are ways of faith and trust and dependence upon Him. And sometimes He even calls us to foolish ways before a watching world. To, look, to be fools for Christ. But I'd rather be a fool for Christ and honor God than have all the accolades of the world. We've got to bring down mental strongholds. What am I saying? I'm saying this. In the areas of our life where you and I have exalted our thinking above God's, you'll remain bound. In the areas where you reject God's word, you reject his ways, you'll remain in a stronghold and your Jerichos will remain up. But it's only when we fully surrender and we embrace the words of Jesus that our lives can be built on a solid foundation. Jesus talked about the wise builder and the foolish builder. Here's here's the difference. The wise builder, he hears the words of Jesus and he embraces them and they have impact and they have a transformational effect upon his life. The foolish builder is he that hears the word but he doesn't apply it. He deceives himself and he builds his life on the sand, sand and he crumbles. That's not a life to the glory of God. Here's the fourth thing, last thing. This call, to, to this principle of glorifying God in every aspect of our lives is a call nothing short of striving for excellence in every area of our lives. Let's read it again. Colossians 3.17, if you would put that up. For whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me read it again. For whatever we do in word or in deed, do all, do all, nothing short of excellence, everything, do all in the name of Jesus to the glory of God the Father and giving of thanks. Him and the other uh, other scripture in Corinthians, do everything to the glory of God. Here's what I want to leave with you before we pray. We should strive for excellence in every area of our lives Christianity is not something we relegate to Sundays or Wednesdays, but it encompasses all that we are now, tomorrow, and all into eternity. Everything, time and eternity. Here's what Paul said to Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in which, it, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not, and, and you are not your own? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to Jesus. We are called to bring glory to his name in all that we do, in all that we say, and everywhere we go, is to bring honor to his name. So think about this. Would we live differently if we knew we were doing things unto the Lord Himself? And there's a passage of Scripture, and I'll just reference it and and pick a portion out. In Matthew 25, the Lord says that He's going to come one day in His glory of His holy angels, and He's going to sit on His throne of glory, and the nations are going to be gathered to Him. He's going to take the goats and put them on the left. He's going to take His sheep and put them on the right. And he's going to say to the sheep on the right hand, he's going to say this, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then notice what he says, 35, Matthew 25, 35. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was thirsty, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did, you, when did, when, uh, did we see you as a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? Notice what he says here. And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you. And as much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus didn't look like he was there. Oh, but he was there. And then there's another group that's going to say, you didn't do all those things. So what's he saying here? As we're living our lives in whatever we do, we need to do it in the name of Jesus. Jesus. We need to do it to the glory of God. So here's the question. Are we living our lives according to this principle? Colossians three seventeen And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. So think about this. All. Do all, he says. Do we seek to honor Jesus in all areas of our lives at all times, or do we compartmentalize our lives to certain areas? What about word and deed? Do the words we speak and the deeds we express are they done? Could they be done if Jesus was standing here? I'm talking like could, if Jesus was standing here, could, would he be honored and glorified? Would he, would he be pleased with this? What about our attitudes? It talks about giving thanks to the Father. Are our attitudes full of gratitude and thanksgiving? Or are we full of complaints? If we could capture this one guiding principle I'm going to do everything to the glory of God. Our relationships would improve. Our finances would improve. Our mental health would improve. Our job would improve because your your boss is watching you, and you're living to the glory of God. You have the most positive, productive attitude in the company. Everything about us would change because we're living to his glory. We do our best, and we're going to be our best. It changes everything. I wrote a prayer. I don't usually write my prayers, but I wrote this one. Here's my prayer I wrote today. This was on my heart today. I wrote every bit of this today, this morning. Here's my prayer. And I thought about this prayer for all of us. Here's what I said in my prayer. Lord, forgive me for living a life of diminished glory. Help me from this moment forward to live where every word and deed brings maximum glory to your name. Amen. Come on. Amen. Tori, would you just take the piano? I just think we ought to just worship a moment. Maybe, maybe you just... That was my prayer. I can't pray your prayer. I can pray for you. But that's my prayer. Lord, forgive me for living a life of diminished glory. You know, Think about this. Adam, Adam was created in the image of God. He was to be an image bearer. But what happened is when, when they fell... The image of God was was diminished in him. But but lost people even have the image of God. Diminished, but you see the image of God in them every once in a while. And man was diminished in his glory. Instead of being God conscious, he became self conscious and self centered. But now Ephesians talks about being renewed in this image. That's what the Holy Spirit, we're going from glory to glory. You hear that from glory to glory. Remember that verse? 2 Corinthians 3, 6, 3, uh, 18. But but we all with unveiled face, as in a mirror, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That means this. The more we behold the glory of Jesus, the more we behold him in worship and in word, the more it transforms our lives. The Spirit of God takes that and transforms us into the image of Christ, that transferable image. What does the Lord want? He wants us to wear this badge, Christian, honorably and nobly. And anything that diminishes his glory in our lives, we need to, we need to allow God to demolish it. You know, it's, it's sad to me to see people that have been serving the Lord 50 years and they're, they're going to die just like they started because they never pressed on. They never pressed through those strongholds. You've got to make up your mind on what you're going to be. Am I going to live to the glory of God? Are we going to live to the glory of God? Or are we going to coddle those strongholds? Are we going to get rid of those things that hurt God and hurt his image and hurt his glory in the world? We're to be glorified. See, the Bible says this. Think about it. All men shall know you're my disciples because you love one another. There's something of the glory of God in that that other people can see it. And, And I just think about the Antioch church. When Barnabas went there, he saw the grace of God there. He saw God's glory. He saw the manifestation of God. God's real character flowing through those people. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God manifesting. Now listen, we're Pentecostal people. I'm not just talking about tongues either. I'm talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Practical. Self-control. Let me, let me meddle. Show up on time. Self-control. Mow your grass. Don't let it be nine feet tall and be an embarrassment to the neighborhood. You're a Christian. Pay your bills on time. Give a good tip to the waitress. She wouldn't be waitressing if she had a million dollars. Let's give glory to God. Real glory to God. Let's make it real. Right? Practical. Be nice to your wife. I've heard gentlemen, I've heard husbands and wives do this. Be nasty in public toward the toward the mate in front of everybody. That's bad. You think we're glorifying God? Our marriages are like that. Let's bring glory to God. Let's do our best. Let's be our best. We're Christians. We shouldn't be the sloppiest people in the world. We should be the most disciplined, the most positive, the most faithful, the most positive, the, the, the best. The, the, we ought to be the ones giving our company the best. Why? We're Christians. Why are we going to give a half effort? Why are we going to do that? Let's be our best for Jesus Christ. Whatever we do, let's do it. To the glory of God. What will this church be. If everyone says. I'm going to adopt this guiding principle. I'm going to do everything. To the glory of God. When I study my class. When I teach my class. Or do children's church. Or adult teaching class. I'm not going to throw it together. The last hour. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to study the words. I'm going to, I'm going to do my very best. To, to, to do it in an excellent way. In every way. Whether music. Or teaching. Or the way we greet people. Or the way we follow up with people. Do everything to the glory of God. I'm telling you. We have a tremendous opportunity here. We have an opportunity here. To do something very significant for God. In my prayer. I've been crying out to the Lord. You guys that have been in a prayer meeting. My prayer has been. God let, let your glory shine here. Let your glory. Let your let Just be magnificent here. Let Jesus Christ just be so glorified. By everything we do here. Don't you want that? Why don't you stand with me? And let's ask him. Let's ask him. Let's, let's first of all, let's, let's surrender to that principle. Would you do that? Would you do that? Would you just right there, would you just say, Lord, I want my life to bring glory and honor to you? Come on, just cry out to the Lord. Come on, just tell him. Maybe there's an area that you feel deeply convicted over. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. We're not beating anyone up here. We're trying to pull you up to a higher level. Paul said, press toward the mark. Why don't you press toward the mark? Why don't you go a higher level in your Christian life? Pray a little harder. Read a little more. Surrender a little more. Jesus. Jesus. Could you singers come back? And Stephanie, the, the song the song that you sang, um, it's the last song, the last song you guys sang. Could you sing that? Could you guys come and sing that? There's a line in that there's a line in that song. There's a line in that song, the chorus says something about Jesus, Jesus Yes, put it up if you would
1: upon the, the praises, praises of
0: us. There it is. There it is. Sikarabashandarama sokorabashatah. Jesus,
1: you're the, the king and the, the center of it all. I love that.
0: Of our Thank you, Father, for your mercies.
1: Jesus, you're the key of the center of, of it, all. it all. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus thrown upon On
0: the praises of our hearts. God be exalted, be praised. Come on, sing it with us. Jesus,
1: you're the king and you're the center of it all. i
0: Listen to the words of Jesus as we conclude this tonight. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. You have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. Think about it. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work to which you've given me to do. Oh, Father. Oh, oh, now. uh, And now, oh, Father. Glorify me together with yourself with the glory. Which I had with you before the world was. Father. Help our lives to reflect your honor and your glory. And Lord, in, in every practical way, Lord Jesus. Every little practical way. Let us do it unto the Lord. into the name of Jesus for his glory. How we conduct ourselves at work. How we spend our money. How we relate as family. How we guide our church. How we relate to one another as the body of Christ. Let us do it all with your righteousness and holiness. And your goodness and grace and your compassion. And let us do it all to the glory of God. Lift your hands one more time and just bless the Lord. One more time. We bless you, Jesus. We praise your glorious grace. We honor you for your mercies. Thank you that we can claim your name, the name Christian. We want to live out that name, Christian. We want to be your followers. Now, church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord give you his peace in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.